Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It is a delight and honor to have you as part of our audience. Today, I'm delighted to share with you another in our series on Regional Biblical Counselor Networks. This is an interview that I did with Steve Mahorter, pastor of adult ministries at North Creek Church. Steve's been at North Creek since 1984, and for a number of years, from 1998 to 2017, he was the director and pastor of biblical counseling. And he did a lot in that church, both through conferences, but also connecting pastors and local churches. And he was the first person I saw who was really trying to network many people in a geographic location around biblical counseling. Uh, Lots of people, even some that we've done interviews with, were influenced by that ministry and have begun biblical counseling networks in their area. And our church in California connected with Steve at that time as well and saw that his, his group of churches grow from 10 to over a hundred. And he was instrumental in, in helping us start a training center at our church in California. And so I've been really blessed by his ministry over the years. And I hope that you will be blessed by the interview that we do now. I also want to remind you of the upcoming Giving Tuesday. That's Tuesday, November 29th, where we will launch our year-end giving campaign. But I want you now to begin praying about how you can give to support the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition and help us build unity in the biblical counseling movement through connection and relationship among its leaders and biblical counselors. We're really excited about the way the Lord is using us now and ways we are looking to see him use us in the future. And we want you to partner with us in that endeavor. So please put that date on your calendar and think about how you can give to support the Biblical Counseling Coalition. All right. Well, Steve Mahorter, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. For those who don't know you, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, So yeah, my name is Steve Mahorter. And uh, I'm married and have two kids. I have three grandkids. That is the better part of life. I can tell you that. (laughs) And uh, I am one of the pastors at North Creek Church in Walnut Creek, California. I've been at the church for 38 years on staff since 1995. Long, long time. Started the biblical counseling ministry here in 1998. Turned that over about four years ago to Jeremy Prey. Still counsel, still do all the same things I did before. I just don't have to oversee all the counselors that we do. So <laughs> a little bit about me. There's a lot to say when you're when you're almost 65. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I thank you for that long ministry up there in North Creek. And for those who don't know, that's in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is, you know, we were joking about it ahead of time. Most people don't realize there are Christians there, so it's really exciting to to have uh, North Creek Church there and, and many people in biblical counseling have been there because you guys have hosted a lot of conferences, a lot of training and other things like that up there as well. So thank you for doing that. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, or actually the whole reason I wanted to talk to you today was to share about the network of biblical counselors that you fostered over your time at North North Creek Church, um, which I was familiar with, back in when I was in California, because you connected with us and our church down a few hours south of where you were too, um, as the network continued to expand and grow. So uh, tell, tell everybody a little bit about that network and 
how you decide how you started it, what made you decide to start it? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because this was not on my radar when I started our ministry here. Our ministry, I just wanted to help a few people. It's really, I didn't really have a vision in mind at all. I just wanted to help a few people. I was done with the business world. And so we just started to build our ministry. And after about seven years of it, I started getting excited about the idea of building out the same kind of network in another city someplace else. I had no idea necessarily where, although I I think at the time in 2005, there was nothing going on down in the Phoenix area. Uh, nothing large anyways. I didn't know if there's anything going on, but I, I knew it was, it was empty there. And so that was my first thought met with my senior pastor and told him what was on my mind. And I'm a bit of a builder an entrepreneurial spirit and all that. And, and he said, well, if you want to build something out, why, why would you go there? Why don't you just build it out from here? And the lights went on like, oh, duh. Yeah, why don't we do that? <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to go build one church's ministry. I can build an entire area. So, I, oh, okay, well, let's do that. So I started thinking about who I knew in the area. Um, guys I'd met at the ACBC conferences, right? Nank back, back then and, or a CCF conference or an IBC or an IABC. And I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about other pastors who had started reaching out to us. We're seven years into the ministry at that point. We start reaching out and, Hey, I got a problem with someone. Can you help? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, I started realizing, you know, we got, we got a little bit of a network going here. And so I started putting, putting out the message, telling them, Hey, we're thinking about doing, maybe doing a conference, something like that, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, would you think that people would like to come to our, our training class on Wednesday nights? And so for the next uh, about four years or so, um, I just was building and broadening the relationships. And then in 2010, well, we were asked if we would do the, the annual ACBC conference here as a church. And uh, at the same time, the BCT guys from Faith Church in Lafayette asked if we would do a series of seminars that, that they do around the country, right? Um, the three weekend deal. And so I thought, okay, that's a good way to do that. And we had planned um, our first conference, which would be a, a small one for 2010. So I did that 2010 conference. It was a one day Saturday. I threw out the invite to the guys and we ended up with 20 churches and hundred people. Um, Dr. Baker was our speaker. Um, I would not say that, that, uh, that Dr. Baker was really well known around in the Bay area. He's known in SoCal because of master not here. So it really came because of the relationships, but people really took to it. And so then the next year was the ACBC conference and the BCT rolled in and we ended up with 240 people coming and we did that two years in a row. And on that, what back up the first year, it was actually about 140. Yeah, that's right. It was 140. This, and then after that, the BCT guys called and said, Hey, if we're coming back, we need to, we need to do more to get a larger crowd. And so, all right. So I started thinking, well, how can we enlarge in that crowd? So I thought about all my relationships that I had been building over the last five years in the South Bay area, the, the um, San Francisco Bay, the North Bay, SAC, um, that just, the, there's like a half a dozen regions. I started thinking, I got a friend there and a friend there. And I, okay, I got these contacts at these churches. So I called each one of them 
and said, look, we're doing another conference, another series of, of you know, seminars next year. And here's what I like to know. Do you have people there, churches there, pastors there that you're close to? Could you get those guys together for a lunch? I'll roll up there and we'll, I'll, I'll buy lunch. Pastors like to get their lunch bought. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> we <eat> well. <laughs> so I offered to buy lunch and, uh, and just, just give me some time for them uh, to get to know, you know, me because they're putting their faith in me and biblical counseling to maybe correct some views on what that might be and just see if there's interest. So um, all of them, all six of them jumped on it. Mm. So I went and did six lunches over about a two month period of time that stretches of about a hundred miles between top to bottom. And, uh, and they all took to it. Every one of them were excited about it and brought a lot of people. And that's, so that second year we had 240 and then it just continued to grow from there to where I didn't have to do any more lunches that, that ended. It was one year of lunches and you know, they just took to it like a duck to water. The people are just hungry for help. These pastors don't have the time to take care of their people and they don't have the resources in their people to take care of their people. So they were glad to send them here and, and going from Eureka to uh, faith church in Lafayette for, for their seminars or Montana for theirs. It's a lot to do, but yeah. to, to drive here is not a lot to do. So we just kept going and going. And uh, I don't know if there's a question later on, but it, at this point we have, um, I think last year we had 650 people from uh, 125 churches. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's incredible. In the Bay area where supposedly there are no Christians. <laughs> <laughs> well, God puts, God puts light in dark places. So I'm glad, glad you guys are there. Um, so when you, when you first started, cause that, that helps give a little bit of background to how, how it expanded so well and so and so quickly, and we'll talk a little bit more about the importance of having somebody committed to that role like you were of, of taking this on. Uh, but in addition to the conference, you've uh, had just ongoing network and building relationships among those pastors and among the different churches in that area. Is that, is that correct? Uh, to some degree. Um, we've really used our, um, our annual conferences, the three-weekend deal, to build that. So they're here three times. Uh, most of the pastors are here two of the three um, because we make it free for the pastors. That's, that's always good too. <laughs> our, our conferences are super cheap. Um, we used to provide food. Now we just provide snacks. We don't do a lunch and a dinner, but we've done lunches and, and dinners at our conferences that we've had um, special seminars just for the pastors. We've had lunch areas just for the pastors to get to know each other. A lot of them don't want to do that. They actually, they're bringing people and they want to have lunch with their people and ask them how it's going and fellowship with them and all that. But, but over time we have built those relationships because they, they keep coming back you know? and we have ongoing conversations with them during, during the year that just, they pop up and they have a situation. They don't know what to do with it. And, you know, can you help them out or can you help, can you actually take the person for counseling and, that sort of thing. So we've done seminars, um, lunch seminars during our, our seminar weekends, you know, but not every weekend. Um, it, it just sort of happens more over time. We don't have a, every three months we get together kind of network that that's, that actually is in the works 
for some for the church, but for the counseling side of things, we don't have it formally set up that way. The annual conferences, when everybody comes here, it's just like when you and I have gone to ACBC, the annual conference. Um, I actually enjoy getting getting together and seeing the people that I know more than I do the workshops. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell don't tell the we won't tell the the heads of those conferences that, but I think they know. Because <laughs> that's, what, they, that's what they're all doing when they go to somebody else's conference. It's not theirs that they're not working. So, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> well, no, well, that's, that's really good. So the purpose, what would you say the primary mission uh, or purpose of your, of that network is, do you think it's more equipping the fellowship? Like what's, what's you, I mean, with the conference thing, it, Sounds to me like it leans more in the equipping side of things, but what do you think? Yeah, the, the conference is, is equipping, but but broadly speaking, uh, my whole thought process from the very beginning was um, I just desire to help people, help people. That's it. I mean, it's help people, comma help people. We need that, and I love doing that. I'm a I'm a I'm a builder. I'm an entrepreneur. I I believe in people. I I believe you get good people, you train them, you release them let them go. Like I do the work and you just watch. And if there's a problem, you'll, you'll fix it, but you won't have very many problems. Not very, I've had very few problems with, with anybody in the counseling ministry. I, I I can only think of a couple really in 25 years Mm. that, you know, mostly it's just finding people that, that love the Lord, love the word, love the church and love discipleship, train them, let them go. No, it's, uh, that's really good. I appreciate that too, because it's that one of the things we want people to understand with these, uh, with these regional networks that we're trying to encourage and, and help foster is that they can look very different and they can have different missions. They can have different purposes, different parameters. Um, and, and depending on your context, the church that you have, the, the size, the resources, all that kind of things, you can do something like what you're doing, kind of three many conferences throughout the year or the, a small gathering every couple months, something along those lines just depends on what it is. But, and what the purpose is, is going to differ, uh, in, in what you do and how you do it. So that's really, yeah. really helpful. You know, we built a good ministry here. You know, the, the Lord just did the work. I, I, I didn't, I, I seriously did not have a three-year game plan, a five-year plan anything like that at all. Everybody thinks I did and thinks I'm this type A personality. And <laughs> I guess that's not how it is. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm more of a follow the cloud kind of guy and the Lord seems to be moving in this direction. Okay. Well, let's give that a shot and, and off we go. So what I really wanted to do was help pastors. When I say help people, help people, I wanted to help them duplicate basically what we do. And then they can apply that to the context of their church. We have a large church with a lot of offices and most those churches don't have big buildings with, offices that they can counsel people in. Okay. You don't have to, you, you have homes. I counsel in homes too, you know? So if, if I could find a way to help those churches duplicate in a sense, the training releasing, that's what I had hoped to do and, and just trust that all the churches will, will go do their own thing in their own way that, that fits their people. Yeah, absolutely. Have you found, cause you mentioned that pastors will connect to you cause it really is a, about relationship really. And that's a a significant part of what we're about with the Biblical Counseling Coalition and what we want to see happen on geographic regions, as well as like our, you know, we have our 
national and international gathering, but we want people to experience that sharpening, that relationship side. Have you seen um, pastors from churches that maybe didn't know each other begin to develop those kind of relationships and, and have ongoing relationships outside of those conferences and helping each other? You know, one thing that we did that, that was uh, fun to do, we created a map, um, a big, huge map. And then wherever there was a church in that area, we put a little pin. And so then we, then we had colored pins. So the red pins were all San Francisco churches and the green pins were all Northern California churches and so on. And all those various regions. And then we assigned those regions to certain areas for lunch and dinner. And so you guys got the back left corner, you got the back right corner, you guys are over the side of the building, you know, and we, we moved them in different areas. So they got to see who's who. Yeah. No, and that absolutely. was, uh, that was kind of a, it turned out to be a pretty strategic thing. Cause we started hearing people were talking to each other. And next thing you know, we hear there was a, um, that, uh, the guys up in Reading put together uh, a conference and brought out, I think they brought bad, big, Brad Bigney out, um, and someone else out. So, that's the other thing we do is from, from the front, um, we tell people what we're doing here, you can do out in the Valley. You don't have to keep, you know, if you want to keep coming to ours, great. We, we love it, <laughs> but you know, you're in the Valley. You've got a lot of churches out there. You got more people out there now. You know what? You can do your own conference style. Will you get the same speakers? Um, I don't know. Some of them have number restrictions. They don't want to come to a church with only, hundred people that are going to be there. I don't know, but, but you, the point is you can duplicate in your region, what we do here. We're never worried about, Oh no, if we, if we tell them to do their own conferences, then our conference will only have 200 people in it instead of 650. We, we just never think that way. <laughs> I just think there's more and more churches that are going to be hungry for the word. And, and, and the truth is it has not affected us at all. And it's actually broadened our reach, not narrowed it. And we've heard that some of these areas are doing their own conferences. So yeah. we're talking about that. No, I think it's great. I think I, I love that heart and that idea too. Of just one, it's, it's the Lord's work and he's going to multiply ministry through people and we should not be um, competitive, but collaborative and really sharpening each other, bolstering each other, encouraging one another. And like you said, it, it hasn't hurt either. You know, if you, if you do, I know some of us, we do have those numbers, people and bottom line people we have to report to, and you have to show that what you're doing is worthwhile. But, um, yeah, like you said, churches are hungry for this and hungry to know how to care for and help people. And when we can work together and, and spur one another on in those things, God, God multiplies it incredibly. So, um, what do you think, why, why is it important for biblical counselors to connect with other biblical counselors? Uh, I think there's a couple of things that come to my mind. Uh, one of them is, um, vision. Um, not, not every pastor, uh, is a visionary. Some, some of them are just, they're great teachers, but they don't, if you want to build something, they, they're not a builder. They're, they're just like, put me behind the pulpit and that's where I'm home, you know? Um, and then there are, there are pastors that are visionaries. And I think when you put those guys together, um, and share things that, that the non-visionary pastor can glean from that visionary pastor, and then he can find somebody in his church who can champion that and say, Hey, look, I just, I just spent some time with the, 
XYZ church and here's what they're doing. Uh, can you connect with them? And then maybe package that together. Maybe we'll do something together. Maybe we'll do it at our own church or whatever. So I think that vision is, is something that's helpful to see what can be done. I think that's one of the great advantages of coming to a church like ours to see we had, we had integrated counseling here before uh, I started biblical counseling in 1998. We had full on integrated counseling, not biblical counseling. And when we brought biblical counseling here, we lost some people because of that. And now here we are, you see what we are, right? So whatever's going on in their church, it can be done. And one of our board members was an integrated guy and his wife was heading up the integrated counseling. So, you know, there are battles that, that are fought in the beginning stages sometimes, most of the time, probably, um, but they can be overcome, you know? So I think that that vision and I think the encouragement that you get from other pastors who can say, you know, we're here because... Uh, we have a lot of people with troubles and a, we can't handle some of those troubles and B we don't have enough people to handle the normal counseling stuff. We just, we just need a little more help than we have, you know? And um, I think they get encouragement to know that they're not the only church that doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't, doesn't have the resources. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, I totally know what you mean. And I think it's really helpful. And that's where I love, um, I love having conversations with different sized churches too. And we, I had this experience when we were, when I was pastoring in Atascadero, we had, uh, our denomination had pastor clusters where you would get together with pastors from all over. And there were some churches that, you know, you've got one guy on staff or an, or he's bivocational. And then you have other churches, they've got like 20, 30 pastors. And what I appreciated is those larger churches still coming. Because in one sense, they get that that fellowship, they get that encouragement, they get that support among each other. So like if you have a large church that has 20 counselors and you guys are meeting weekly, monthly, whatever you're able to sharpen, you're able to encourage, you're able to do these different things, but that the, the individual counselor who's out, you know, in the Valley or uh, way up North by themselves, a hundred miles from anybody else doesn't get that. And for them to have, be able to uh, mix and mingle with other biblical counselors um, to, for sharpening, for encouragement, for support, for whatever is, is extremely valuable. So, um, yeah. You know, something else that, um, as you were talking there, some popped into my head on the qu previous question somewhere in there, um, you asked what kinds of things we do to build, um, the community of, of churches and all that. Um, so, so you guys had clusters. Um, I just had that initial set of clusters and didn't do that afterwards. Um, but, but we've done other kinds of things. So, um, we offered out two years, um, where we, help them get through the ACBC exam. That's the biggest impediment for most, most lay people look at that and think, Oh man, I'll never get this done. Right. And I totally get that. So, so we did that, um, one year and we, we, so we offered it out to all those pastors and all the NCT people that came. And I think we had like 40 people come and then we offered it again. Um, maybe two years later, I forget now. Um, and this time we video recorded it and, and then we put that video recording online. So it's online. I've had so many people email me, call me. Oh, it, I, we got put on it like five years ago and it's around the country. People have are, <laughs> I'll get this email from somebody from South Carolina. 
hey, just watch your video on blah, blah, blah. Um, can you, um, can you give me the resource for this? Or can he just has a question, you know, like, Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> I'll give you a funny story. You'll cut this one out, but it, this one cracks me up. So we're at the ACBC conference in, uh, in Fort Worth, like three or four years ago. And, um, it's the opening night place is jammed. It's, it's excited. You know, everybody's excited. There's a, there's a guy in front of me. He's got two gals with him from his church and they're just chat, 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 chat. And the, the conference opens up and the, and the video pops up and it's, it's a guy from um, Ecuador who I've known since he was in college. He was my, one of my daughter's best friends. And I wanted to hear that. And these people in front of me are still chit-chatting and I'm wanting to say, shut up. The conference has started. <laughs> my flesh is totally popping out at me. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting a little, um, not angry, but frustrated, you know, like irritated, like just sit down, you know? And finally they, they did. Right. And, and while the, you know, the thing's going on and then we're worshiping and I'm like, Oh man, I'm just feeling, you know, like such a, such a sinner. Cause I was mad at him, you know? And anyways, they, so they go through the night. Um, it ends and the guy stands up, turns around, looks at me, looks at my name tag and he goes, Oh, Hey, I know you. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no way. He, he says, I got to tell you, I'm doing my doctorate and one of my classes requires me to pass the ACBC exam. And if I didn't have your videos, I wouldn't have got my doctorate. And I just told my church that. Okay. <laughs> There's That's a guy awesome. I'm ticked off at, right? I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see how the story turned out had you actually told them to be. (laughs) (laughs) He'd have been like, "Well, glad you helped me get my doctorate, but I never want to see you again." No, no, I'm sure it would have. I saw five people at that conference who um, uh, who had all seen the videos and were passing their exam. I'll give you another one that's um, because it goes along the lines that answer that question for the cut papers however you want. But um, there's church out in the valley in Ripon. And um, they didn't come to our conference, but they heard about it, wanted to build a counseling uh, or they wanted to start a ministry that would be um, something that no one else in Ripon was doing that would help their community. So they met with me twice for a long time. I shared them what what we do and they, they took to that. So the next year they brought me out and had me do a series of eight seminars to get to whet the appetite of the church. And, uh, and they said, then they were, they were sure they were going to start a biblical counseling ministry and fired up about it. Well, the next thing you know, they did do that. They hired a full-time pastor just to do biblical counseling. They built that out and their ministry is thriving. Like <laughs> senior pastor called me one time and he says, uh, so how many, how many counselees is too many to handle at one time? <laughs> and I said, well, I think like two to four, depending upon the kind of counseling you have. You know, if it's, if it's heavy loaded, it's maybe two, if it's, if they're easy ones, you can handle four. If it's just discipling somebody and there's just kind of like growing them as a believer, you can handle more than that. But you know, you have to be really, really careful. Well, it turns out that new biblical counseling pastor had 18 cases. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> he, so, needed, he, needed to, a, he needed to redirect some attention to tr- raising up other people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's how we connected. You know, they heard about the conference and uh, I think somebody came to the conference and then went back to the church, told them about it. And then we get together and boom, now they got a thriving ministry out in the, in, you know, in the middle of the ripping. 
Yeah. <laughs> no one no. knows where Ripon is listening to this. <laughs> yeah, no, very few people know where that is, but that's okay. But that's, I mean, that's what, one of the questions I've been asking people is how do, how do these kind of networks or these kind of relationships help serve the local church? And I think those stories demonstrate that really, really well. It, it, it equips people, it inspires people to do these things. And I remember when we did our training center at our church, um, other pastors who never went through the training themselves but sent people through it talked about how it just elevated the conversation of people in their church. And, and people are just starting to be caring for one another. And, and yeah, they, they loved it. They, they really appreciated it. And we finally did encourage them to come through our training too. But, um, yeah, it really does benefit the the local church significantly. Well, one of the things you you have touted this significantly, I know, and uh, I've heard it echoed by multiple other regional network leaders, is that it's it takes a point person to do something like this. Like if there's not somebody who's dedicated to facilitating or leading or casting vision, that the the network is just not going to build, it's not going to grow, it's not going to thrive. Um, Talk about that for a second. Why is that so important? What is it, and what does it require for somebody who wants to foster something like this? Uh, that's a hard one because not every church has a lot of people to choose from, you know, but you, you need a champion. You call them a point, point person, champion, same thing. Someone who's going to beat the drum, someone who carries with them some energy. Uh, one of those people that just is able to make things happen without, without trying to be what someone else is. That just is like who they are. And, you know, any, it, most churches with at least 200 people has one person, at least one who's like that, but, but this may not be the ministry they're super excited about. So really where it starts is prayer. You have to pray, Lord, is, is there somebody in our church that could, you know, take this ball and run with it? I think it's way better if it's a man because that, that point person is talking to other men at other churches, a woman I'm sure can do it, but just honestly, just the way the men and men and women, you know, integrate with each other, it's just, it's not going to be the same. I think a man brings a lot more energy and it's just man talking to man. So if you can find a man that, that can do that and, and he has the time to give to it, that's his thing. Um, then it'll happen. If it's not, if it's not, if it's just somebody like, oh, you, you want me to do that? Okay, I mean, I'll give, I'll give it a try. Uh, I, I'd say try. You know, if you don't have any any other choices, but it's just a lot better if it's going to be someone that um, just kind of has that that energy behind. If you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I'm hoping that the people who are listening to this, that for for somebody that might be what the Lord uses to spark that passion in them, or they already have that passion. They just need some, some direction, some insight, some guidance. You said time, uh, and obviously what you did and what you've done in, uh, in the Bay area is one thing. Um, but if, if somebody wanted to put together regular network meetings or something like what you, what you're describing, how much time do you think they're going to need to dedicate to this, this particular thing? Cause it's not the entirety of your ministry. Not much. The, 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 the building, the, the beginning part, five hours a week at the most, you're just making a few phone calls here and there. Um, if you're bill, if you have your own ministry already going, phone calls are going to be coming in. It's, it's not, 
it may sound like a big thing. It, it It's really not. If you figure out, if you figure you're going to take a year to pull something together. Um, okay. Well, that's 250 hours. If it's five hours a week, that's way more time than is actually needed to build something like this. It's just relational. It's not hard. And if you, if you do that cluster of lunches kind of thing, you, you, you know, that's three hours out of your time probably. Um, and you got five guys in three hours and you do that five times. You get 15 hours, you get 25 churches and those 25 guys, they have other church guys that they know. And it, and if, if the ministry is a good ministry and it's helping people, it, it's going to work anyways. It's, it's God's work, you know? So I don't think it really takes very much to make that happen. And it, it's really more of a, a God thing than, than anything. Hey, can I, you have a minute for me to illustrate that my point about finding a champion? Yeah, absolutely. I got a call about, 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little more now, whatever. We'll say 10 years ago. Guy calls up. I'm, I'm working on a lot of projects. I really don't have time to take a call. My assistant calls me and comes over and says, Hey, look, I want you to talk to somebody. He's uh, he's living in Brownsville, Texas and working with some foster kids or something, but it's, it's not really what he wants to do. He wants to talk about biblical counseling and my, in my heart, I'm like, Oh man, I don't have time for this. <laughs> you know, oh man my flesh is coming out right all right i'll take the call so i take the call he tells me his his story uh it, he's married newly married just, he, he likes what he's doing he just love it he was thinking about something else and just really wants to help people and so i told him more about biblical counseling and he's like well, what do i do and i said well I, you got to go to a conference first so just go to a conference and Get, meet some people and, and, and then get some training. And, you know, I started talking through all that kind of stuff. So a couple years later, I, I go to an ACBC conference and I'm sitting in a class and, and Steve Byers is getting ready to teach. And, uh, and this guy sits next to me, looks over at me and goes, Hey, I know you. <laughs> Here we go again. Right. I, I looked at this, at his name tag and I thought, Oh my gosh, it's the guy from Brownsville. <laughs> here in an ACBC conference. So he, he tells me what's going on. He says, yeah, I'm working on my degree. I'm moving forward with it. Really? That's awesome. Okay. Well, I didn't see him for a couple of years, right? I go to Florida, San Mar- uh, Marco Island, Florida. It's about as far Southwest as you can go on that and on in Florida before you hit the keys and we're on vacation. And my wife goes, where, where do you want to go to church tomorrow? And I'm like, you're not going to find a church down here. Well, let me try. <laughs> she knows it's around for a church and she finds this, this church and she goes, I think you're going to like this. They have a biblical counseling ministry. I'm like, yeah, right. We'll see how biblical their biblical counseling ministry is. So I went to the church church was, you know, a little progressive It's okay. It's fine. You know? And, uh, and we were getting ready to leave. And I said, you know, I really should probably um, maybe find um, the biblical counseling person here and uh, just see who runs it. So I, I go over to the front desk it's the guy from Brownsville. He is now running the biblical counseling ministry at that church. And now to this day, he's the senior pastor now. <laughs> That's wild. Yep. You never know. You never so know what that phone call, call could do. <laughs> exactly. Take the call, man. Take the call. You never know. Goodness. No, so well, that's, yeah, that's the value of networking right there. You know, absolutely. And we had our stuff online and he called up and one thing leads to another and, and all of that. So it's good. 
Well, Steve, our time is wrapping up, but I have a segment at the end that I like to do with our guests. Um, and I did not send these questions to you ahead of time, so you can feel free to deny me if you want. But I have a segment called Two Minute Favorites where I just ask you a bunch of stuff that you like. Um, and it's just a fun way for people to get to know you. You game? Okay, we'll see. <laughs> All right, I'll start you with I get some softballs. Two minutes for each answer? No, two minutes total for oh. as, as many as I. It's like a speed round. Okay. Uh, depending on your personality, it's like David Pallison got about four done. Some people complete the list of 23. So it just depends. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, I'll throw you some softballs to warm you up and then, then they get a little bit harder. So here we go. What is your favorite food? Ice cream. What is your favorite color? Blue. Favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite sports team? Cubs. Favorite candy? Mounds. Favorite gift you've ever received? I have no idea. I'm not a gift guy. Favorite gift ever given? I uh, bought my wife a house. All right. There you go. Favorite word? <laughs> favorite what? Favorite word? Bible. Least favorite word? Swear words. Favorite book of the Bible? Well, that's a hard one. Uh, I want to say all of them, but um, probably uh, probably James. Favorite book outside of Scripture? Uh, the Enemy Within. Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, probably Chocolate Chocolate Chip uh, by Haagen-Dazs. By the way, my favorite book might be Brad Bigney's book. Gospel, Gospel. Treason? Yep. Right. Uh, favorite Bible verse? Oh, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Mm. Favorite restaurant? Oh, I have a lot of those. Too many to say. All right. If you, we'll, so we'll go with In-N-Out Burger. All right. <laughs> if you could choose any superpower, what superpower would you choose? To change people's hearts. Favorite quote? Uh, an, amazing, uh, an amazing freedom is felt when you invest your life in another. Roy Roberts. Favorite animal? Dog. Favorite job, excluding your current job? I was a bond trader. I loved it. If your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use? Likeable. All right. Well, that wraps up two minutes. You got almost the entire list. That was up there. You took the challenge seriously. All right. Well, brother, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. It was a real pleasure. Hey, thanks, Curtis. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.